Guys and gals, I've been telling you to drink your LMNT, and it's been helping Robert get through the heat of Tokyo. But don't take my word for it. Let's run visitor Jamie email me. He's interested, maybe it's a she, in a possible watch party for Saturday at the Olympics in New York City. Or hey, if anyone wants to do one in Fairfield County, Connecticut, let me know. And Jamie writes, also, I ordered the LMNT sample pack you've been mentioning using the Let's Run code, and it's a total game changer for after runs in the heat. The flavors are really unique, and I've recommended it to a few other people who have also ordered via the Let's Run promo. I'll definitely be looking to get more. I usually just chug water after runs and feel like shit, and it makes sense now why that is the case. So go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run to get a free sample pack. You pay $5 shipping. If you don't like this stuff, I will personally refund your five bucks. Link in the show notes. And remember, if you want daily podcasts from Tokyo, become a supporters club member. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. Welcome, track and field fans, to the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast, the best track talk show in the world. We hope you are pumped for this one as we're recording this one live from Tokyo, where we'll be recapping the highs and the lows of the first half of the 2020 Tokyo Olympics with the focus on tonight's action where Courtney Fyrex has become an Olympic silver medalist. She's got the Olympics over. Emma Coburn does not, nor does Loa Lyles. Kenya is once again king of the men's 800 as former UTEP star Manuel Correa leads a Kenyan 1-2 sweep. Emma Coburn sadly bombs, but makes Rojo $20. $10. I got odds on that bet, Robert. Don't, I don't want to shortchange myself here. But she wasn't the only one that had to have a disastrous night. Nigel Amos next to last. If you think that's bad, Clayton Murphy was DFL. Folks, welcome to the show. Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson. Jonathan Galt's here. who may have something life-changing this week, but I'm not allowed to tell you what it is. He's, John and I are a little bit angry with each other. It's been close quarters and stuff. We have, I'm not angry with you, Robert. I, I, like, well, I like covering you. Thank you, John. It's been pretty fun. We're just, we need a little bit more sleep. We're going to start getting sleep because the morning sessions are going to end after tomorrow. We have Weldon Johnson in the secondary east coast headquarters of connecticut but it's been a great olympics folks first of all if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't been you haven't heard already five previous or six previous olympic podcasts from tokyo then that's on you because you obviously love track and field you listen to our weekly podcast so thank you for that we do appreciate it but how have you not become a let's run.com vip supporting club member because I know you go, you buy fast food. It's like 10 bucks. Starbucks, same thing. You can't support independent journalism. You can't support yours truly. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. Sign up now. You would be getting daily breakdowns from Tokyo. We really appreciate it. So please do that now. Let'srun.com slash subscribe. You would have heard the inside scoop of how I was almost killed. All of that. What have they missed out on, Weldon? They missed a lot. I mean, five days of track and field. We then... I thought the shows were going to be short. They've been at least an hour every day. Video shows, podcast, a lot of insider access. 
Are you guys like the only running journalist actually in Tokyo talking to athletes and stuff? Like American running journalists? I know that's a small number of people, but that's the other beauty. The Olympics doesn't allow video or audio to be released. So the only way to hear what athletes are saying, what Cole Hawker is saying. Well, interesting. I led with Cole Hawker. Um, a thing, Mo. Sidney McLaughlin. You got to talk to someone who's there, and that's you guys. So I, I've really enjoyed it, getting the insight of what's it like in the stadium. I mean, w- watching the coverage on TV is great. You, you, you can, we can see the action tremendously, but the flavor. Well, thank you, Walter, because Jonathan, I don't know. I mean, Jonathan is supposed to be my employee, but it's like he's the CEO. He orders me down there, and I, re- I will talk to everybody. And John like makes jokes with other journalists about me. I, I seriously, it bothers me. Like Beatrice Chepkowicz could go through the mix zone. No one would talk to her. Hyven King, we wouldn't have known. I, I just got a nugget of wisdom from her just right now after winning the bronze medal. I was um, talking to the Americans, Robert. It's not like you're there talking to these other athletes and I'm not doing anything. I, I'm talking to the Americans when they come through. I, 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 what was the joke I made the other day, Weldon, that if someone breaks a national record, Robert will talk to them. I mean, that was the case again tonight. Like <laughs> a bunch of national records. Robert's like, we're about to start the podcast. He's like, I haven't talked about the Australian record in the women's 1500 prelims by Jessica Hall. I'm like, Robert, it's okay if you don't mention every single national record holder that you spoke to. Genevieve Lalonde, we love you of Canada. She broke it today by 0.24. There was also a Serbian woman, I think, that got a national record in six. Uh, it was amazing. I, I, I talked well, to you with them all. Well, Robert, no, the, the woman that you should – first of all, there's Nozomi Tanaka. Third, she set her second Japanese record of the Olympics tonight in the women's 1500 prelims. But I think Rojo's favorite runner award, the woman who set the most national records at this Olympics, I think it is Sarah Kuivisto of Finland. She set two national records in the first two rounds of the 800 meters, and she set two national records in the first two rounds of the 1500 meters. Unfortunately, the Finnish records aren't that fast, so she didn't make the final in either. But I'm giving her the Rojo Award for most national records. But John didn't tell me this, and I didn't interview her. And she's probably, I mean, uh, oops, I'll be canceled. She's probably attractive if she's from Finland. I could have interviewed her and said, hey, are you single? Jonathan needs a woman. Anyways. You just got canceled for that comment. Robert, your boy Bill Spaulding mentioned the four Finnish records. Nothing gets by that guy. We love you, Bill. By the way, at some point in this show... John and I were just, I had not seen the 800 video from start to finish. I still haven't seen a full replay because tactics in a 145 race play a huge role. We were trying to find a video where we could do it. I turned on my VPN. I saw an NBC YouTube highlights and they showed about five or 600 meters of the race. So we missed a lot of the first lap and a half, which I would like to see. But y'all been commenting about how bad the, the commentating is. Bill is a pro, but I'm going to send him a text because I had heard some rumors that Alicia Montagna was bad, but I didn't expect her to be bad on the 800 broadcast, but I will play the audio clip of that. What she said in the first 100 meters of that race was so bad, it's like, I I just can't believe it. Robert, we don't need to go into the audio of the commentator. It's just not necessary. Um, The thing that, well, now of course I'll go there. I wanted to see Otto Bolden talk about the 200 and you can't find it. Like he'll be on tape delay tonight at NBC. Wait, that's, that's what they do. They just tape delay like the sprint finals or you can watch it live, but you can't watch it with the top commentators. Yeah. They're separate announcing crews. 
So it's either Peacock in the morning, USA Network in the afternoon, usually one day it was CNBC. That's um, Bill Spaulding, Tim Hutchings, Alicia Montano, and Michelle Carter. Um, those That's the crew. Um, I like my Tim Hutchings. I like my um, Bill Spaulding. So that's fine. But then you have a separate crew. I haven't heard Kara Goucher yet, but that's you know the normal NBC crew. Lee Diffie, um, Otto Bolden, Sonia Richards is very good. Otto, I love. So, but now at night, sometimes like for the 400 meter hurdles, they have them on live. They'll pipe them in on the prime time broadcast, but otherwise they show them taped. So it's kind of hard to get what you want here, but Hey, it's the Olympics. You can watch it all somewhere. Sometimes it's hard to figure it out. We've got a viewing guide every day on let's run.com on the homepage. So be sure to check that out, but guys, let's enough back talk. Let's get to the action. Okay. The I'm starting with the women's steeplechase. Because a lot of times, I think we should start with like stuff that, Robert, back off the mic, a little echo. A lot of times, I don't know, this race was shocking to me. I've been shocked a few times at this Olympics. Carson Wilhelm, 45-9. Sydney, the Sydney race last night didn't do it for me because I'm starting to think this track might be a little bit juiced. But I did not expect what we saw in this steeplechase. It was crazy. It was beautiful. It was gutsy. It didn't re- result in a gold. But... Courtney Frerichs, with a mile to go, just goes to the front, pushes the pace, starts running 70-second laps, 69-second laps. She gaps the field. I mean, breaks them within two laps. Peruth Chimatai of Uganda tries to stay with her. She's probably 10, 15 yards back, 600 to go. And then it's just a question, can she hold on? And she looked good. They showed Courtney right before the bell. She looks at the screen. I'm like, okay, she's kind of measured. She's not all out. She's still looking at the screen. And then real quickly, it sort of fell apart. And then I'm like, okay, she's still got this. She's still going to hold on. She held on for the silver, but gutsy, gutsy as hell. One of the gutsiest races I've ever seen by an American. I mean, how many times do you have an American leading a distance final at the Olympics at any point in the race? And to do it like this with a huge move a mile into, with a mile to go in the race, and to break pretty much everyone except the eventual champion, Perith Chemitai. I mean, I just have so much respect for what Courtney Frerichs did tonight. And with 600 to go, I was convinced she was going to win gold. I was like, this is huge. She's going to surpass what Emma Coburn did, winning the world title in 2017. She's going to have Olympic gold in the, world, in the American record. But at the bell, my concern was that gap, she really hadn't grown it much over Chimitai. I think it was about seven meters. It had stuck around that same distance pretty much the whole time. When you have a gap like that and it's not growing, it's kind of a sign that the person in second still has something left. And we saw that over the last lap. All congrats to Perth Chimitai. 901, Ugandan record, big well, personal best. Fireworks was amazing. As I just put up on the, on the, onto the, as a graphic, this race would make Steve Prefontaine proud. She went for broke, and it's on, a lot of times that cost you a medal. This time she hung on for the silver. John said she thought she was going to win the gold. I was doing the splits. Uh, the one mistake I've made in Tokyo is that I didn't bring – it's hard to do a damn split on an Apple Watch. I didn't bring my coaching watch because I love to get splits, and I love the steeple splits because the splits are a little bit off because it's not quite 400 meters. But, folks, again, 
if you're a top woman, you want to win a medal. I am an expert at coaching people to the 845 to nine minute range. Normally men, but I can coach women too. But 72 second laps is right. Normally 903. In this case, it would have been 904 based from finish line to finish line based on what they ran the first 200 plus. But uh, actually the splits are another room, but she was going like 70, 70. I think she went 68. Well, did you have them? I, I, I had sent them to you at one point. Well, I was doing just the 400 splits off the screen, which aren't at the bell. Somehow they have like technology. They have splits for every 100 meters. So I think, I, I mean, I can pull those up, but it was essentially, they were all 70 points and then a 69 in there. And the last one was a 74. Okay, so 70 is sick. I mean, that's eight. That's 848 pace, 849 pace. And then she was going 77. She had a 68. I'm like, this is incredible. And what John says at 600, he thought she was going to win. At 600 with me, I thought, oh, my God, did she miscount the laps? It crossed my mind that she was going so fast that she had the lap number wrong. So there was a slight – but then like, I was still making sure, even with 50 meters to go in that lap, I was like, okay, I think she knows there's another lap. But when she kept going without stopping at the lap, I was like, okay – she knows she's got it. And she admitted in the press conference afterwards and talking to John afterwards that she knew she you know, she had kind of put, her, put herself in the hurt box and the wheels fell off a little bit. But held on for the silver. And I mean, coming home, I was just like, don't pull a Jager. Just get over the hurdle. And she did. And, you know, much deserved silver medal. Yeah. So It's interesting, Robert. Like, we don't really cheer in the press box for runners, but – for this one, with how, just with the move that she made and with how hard she was working and like how how much guts it took, I I you know go, I just didn't want to see her totally collapse and like full finish out of the medals. Like Chimutai, tons of credit to her. She went with the move. She got the gold. But I felt it would have been unfair if Frerichs, you know, if she wipes out on one of those barriers, if she totally fades. So I was glad that she wound up in the medals. Well, well, well deserved silver. Right, but. This shouldn't have been that well heading into USA. Farrakhs hadn't been running great. Let's look up her results from early in the year. It didn't seem like she'd been running great. She gets beat by Coburn pretty handily at USA's. And I kind of was like, you know, how did this woman run nine flat? How does she have the American record? Coburn is so much better than her. But after you talked to her in the prelims, John, I started to think, wow, maybe she's just peaking here. Like it seemed like she was very confident in the way things were going. So, you know, but Coburn had almost broken nine and Monica had given it a shot. As good as Fireworks was, I think it's pretty I mean, she's gotten world silver before, but her getting silver today was pretty surprising and, and almost getting the gold was very surprising. But I think in an absolute sense, what is more surprising is how bad Emma Coburn was. Well, I mean, it's the law of averages. Good? If somebody's really good and somebody's really bad, it's the law of averages. One American was amazing, and one American who is so incredibly consistent was absolutely horrible. John, please get out your money though. The sad thing is I didn't see this coming this week, but I did apparently in the winter because Jonathan Galt and I on this very podcast made a bet and I said, she would not meddle. You said she did. So it's time to pay up. Yeah. I, I owe you $10. Uh, I'll, you know, I don't have my wallet on me right and, now. It's and over there and not well. 10 Japanese dollars. Cause that's only $1. Yeah. By the way, we do have another bet on somebody else that I'm worried about losing that one. I forgot who it was. You decided to take Safan Hassan over Faith Kipigon in the 1500. Uh, and considering Kipigon just made running 356 in a semi look like a joke. I did. I feel pretty good about that one. 
anyway, um, yeah, Coburn was was awful tonight. We'll get to that in a minute. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Freya because she she was like very eager to credit all of her Bowerman family for this silver medal. Uh, she spoke about her last track workout, her last big workout before the Olympics. She had a stomach bug. She vomited on the track, and they had to call it. And she's like, "I I can't do this," you know. And Shalane Flanagan, the Bowerman assistant coach told her something similar happened to her ahead of the 2008 Olympics when Flanagan ended up winning the silver medal, not to stress about it. For, then Frerich said uh, she ended up doing the workout a couple of days later. She said when she was about to fly to Tokyo, she was feeling sick. And again, Shalane texted her, let her know, hey, you know, you got this, get on the flight. And then today in the race, she felt like she was channeling Evan Jager. You know, he was not in the Olympics. He hasn't been, he hasn't finished the steeple for three years. But her race plan today was basically the same as what Evan Jager did in 2016, making a hard move with from a mile to go. So she was happy to have channeled him and his racing spirit. And then she said Shelby Houlihan was texting her this morning. She's one of Shelby is one of her best friends. She was saying, I, I know you can do it. So for Courtney, this was a big like it's been a rough summer for the Bauman Track Club with the Shelby thing. And, you know, this was a big silver medal. Uh, for them tonight yeah it was a big silver medal i mean the bowerman track club's been through a lot with shelby houlihan's ban i mean i can't imagine i don't know what's she thinking during this olympics but for those of you listening to the podcast we're also doing this as a live video show john we have a comment being put up by this guy maybe he's foreign and can't pick up our great um dynamic personalities it says these guys just seem to hate their jobs and each other. Is the other guy even listening? So I, is that me? Like I'm looking at stuff here, trying to gather some information, or is that Robert? We're gathering information. Our usual. It is what? Oh, we're a little early today this morning. It's only one a.m. there, and you guys are going like zero hours sleep. But we should be, we should be ranting, smiling, joking around. No, we're fun. We should make a plan. I we know we have been recording the podcast literally at two or three a.m. And John and I have gotten – I used to think I thought with Weldon because it's like a twin thing, but it's just like you're in close quarters. You're working a lot. We're not sleeping. We're going to start sleeping more. What was I looking down at was I was looking at the comments, and someone said, it does not look like you guys have updated the running warehouse prediction contest with the men's 800. And I Wait, is that – did someone actually comment that, yes. or are you – Robert's obsessed with this contest because he's leading it. As soon as he drops down in the standings after these – you know, remaining finals come. Sure. He's probably going to forget it and never mention it again. Sergio Paz, where are you from, Sergio? Robert, check your mic. John's is working. Oh, isn't that name? I mean myself, Sergio. I mean, I'm not a Spanish expert, but that's always how I've heard that name pronounced, Robert. Sergio, where are you from? He's posted it. I've just updated the contest. That's what I was doing. I was looking down at my computer so I could update it. And um, then he does the fist pump when he sees he's still in first place. Well, I'm not in first place overall, but I'm yeah. getting closer. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Should we talk about Coburn here? By the way, we we have a great relationship. If Robert isn't looking at the screen, yeah, it's because he's doing research or he's trying to pump his own ego with the with the prediction contest results. But Coburn, that was my big well, it wasn't a big bet. I thought you gave me great odds to make. Oh, I should be using my other camera. And she didn't run well today. She essentially said her body shut down. Frerichs made a hard move in the middle of the race. Emma thought there would be something she'd be ready to respond to. I mean, she pointed out they came through three through 2K in Monaco a month ago in six flat. 
and she felt pretty good at that point. Tonight was 6.05. She thought she'd be able to close off of this, and she just couldn't. I mean, her loss, she was just, she fell apart, and then the last lap, she fell, and then she got disqualified, I think, for stepping inside the rail. And look, credit to Emma Coburn. She was a total class act in the mix zone. She stood there for 15 minutes answering questions. I'm actually shocked. I felt bad that we kept asking her questions. I kind of, If you get to 10 minutes after a race like that, I kind of just stop asking the athletes questions because you can tell they're devastated. Emma was very classy. She answered everything, but she basically just said, you know, her, her body didn't respond. She didn't really know why. She thought her workouts have been going great. She said she was fitter than she was at the trials. Uh, it was just, she fell apart. By the way, we have an update from the live viewer. Sergio is from Spain. It's got to be like, what time is it in Spain right now? It's probably like 5 in the morning? No, it's like 5 p.m. It's perfect time, Robert. You're going backwards. Oh. <laughs> he's excited and demanding that. He's in first place in the, of the thousands of people. Wait, he's in first? Yeah. Oh, no wonder he wanted to know the Probably he's in Wait, first. Wait, hold on. Did Is this your picks or his? No, those are... His okay, I was like, because he picked Korea for the win. That's that's a good call. I, I'm shocked. Korea, I didn't think that many people would pick him. We'll get to Robert's boy, right? Nigel Amos and his uh disaster. And Sergio later. and Sergio's gonna gonna go into the lead even farther than the men's 5,000 when when Katir, my least favorite 5,000 meter runner, wins it. I picked Katir. Well, I should have picked him. I don't pick people that I well, I'm, I'm not gonna say anything, Sergio. I'm not gonna say anything. You said it yesterday. Well, yeah, if you listened to the podcast yesterday, Sergio, you know what he said. So, All right, anything else on the steeple here? I mean, Perez Chemitai, we should talk about this because the, the winner of the race, I know we're, we are a few Americans here talking about the race, but the winner of the race is someone who had not broken 920 this year, who, you know, her, this, her personal best was 906 from 2017. She runs a five-second personal best, or maybe, I meant in a six, sorry, six-second personal best to win the gold medal tonight. And look, after if you watch the semifinals, you kind of knew, okay, she's a medal contender. She made it look very easy. Friend of Let's Run.com, Chris Leah, pointed out she actually hurdles the water jump, which is not very common in the steeplechase. What do you mean? He, he pointed out. I noticed it. Well, he he's the one who told me about it. Anyway, uh, and she shows up and to as she said she had been injured earlier this year, but she trains in the top group in Uganda, coached by Addy Reuter, who he's also the coach of Joshua Cheptegei. He coached Halima Nakai to the gold medal in 2019. We found this information out because Robert does his exclusive interviews and you know got this from her. So very surprising performance from her. And look, no one could have seen this coming coming into the she didn't broken 920 all year. She got eighth in the Doha Diamond League. She was fifth in the Ethiopian trials. Now somehow she's the Olympic champion. It's just kind of crazy. So I just put it up on Let's Run about this. John says we know that she was injured in the area. The only reason why we know is because I was the only journalist in the world that wanted to talk to her after her. I saw her hurdling the water jump. And it's very hard to hurdle, hurdle the water jump without losing momentum. She can, and I would think, you know, even for men, she does it fine. She doesn't lose momentum. Even Jessica Krause, the the German who I love to talk to because her English is so good. She's like, look, you, you, if you saw her in the prelim, she ran nine twelve. She looks fantastic going over the water. You had to know that she was, you know, probably in pretty good shape. Also, Krause said that she was not surprised by Fryerix because she knows Fryerix is a proven championship runner, and they ran in the same heats together. And they went one two, and she's like, I could tell she was fit. So. Kraus, who's gotten two medals, was not shocked at all by the performances. Kraus was fifth today. 
good interview with her up on the website. But back, back to Chimichai, John. In one way, it's shocking because these are her Diamond League. In Rio, she went out in the first round. This, this is what her career Diamond League finishes are since then. 7th and 10th in 2017. 7th, 6th, and 7th in 2018. 3rd, 7th, and 10th in 2019. And then 8th in Doha this year. And now she's the world champion. Now, that's trying to make her look bad. On the plus side, she's extremely young. She just turned 22 in July. She won the World Junior Silver in 2018 when she also got third in the, in the Diamond League. So if you're a junior getting third in the Diamond League, that's pretty good. Who knows what she would have done in 2020. The big thing, though, was this year she had not run fast. Eighth in Doha. Then she runs the Ethiopian Trials as a guest and is only fifth in like 933. And that's and what that was, at, that was at sea level. At sea level in good weather. And what I said was to uh, the key nugget to me was how, what's better now? She's like my Achilles. They always say I have a tendon problem. They never say what tendon. I'm like, which tendon? And they point. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I have a, all the Africans. I have a tendon problem. I could be. So it was her right Achilles, I think. So she says that's better now. So, you know, injury. Same thing with Hyven King, the bronze medalist. I said, Hyven, you're a world champion in the past. You got the silver medal five years ago. Are you happy or sad with the bronze? She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's really hard to run well when you're hurt. My hamstring was bothering me. Also, I know there's a sizable contingent of people that think that Beatrice Chipkowicz is dirty. Even Emma Coburn has basically insinuated that. You ask Emma Coburn, we ask Beatrice Chipkowicz, why aren't you running better? What's going on? She's like, my hamstring is killing me. She said she had some interesting things to say after today's race. She said, you know, I took a painkiller took a, uh, to get through the prelims. I got through it, but it started hurting in the village. I knew I was pretty much screwed and was hoping just to finish. She thinks her fitness is good because Chip Kowicz is running like 1440 road races, right? Like she tied the world record or something like that. She's a monster talent. She's like, I think I could break nine right now just based off my base fitness, even though she can't do all her normal speed work. She's like, but I, if my body would just let me hurdle and, and compete without being injured. So she's hoping that gets better so she can run faster, like a pre-classic or something like that. But let's go back to this thing. How did Fryrix run so well? Coburn apparently has been in Coburn so bad. Someone had it up about where Fryrix is from. Missouri, hot and humid there. That could play a story. But I, I want to apologize to everybody because I am apparently responsible for Emma Coburn's terrible performance tonight. She told John, she's like, well, maybe it's because I'm a bigger runner and I don't do well in the humidity. And that's what I always say. The big runners don't do well in the heat. But I also say the steeplechase is short enough in the event that the heat doesn't really impact you. So I don't know. Robert likes to cover all his bases, so he has an excuse either way. But why is Emma coming up with this excuse if she did okay in Rio? Wasn't it hot and humid in Rio? Maybe not this humid? It was not this humid, but it was in – I mean, the sun was out. It was a morning final in Rio. Did she do anything to prepare for the heat? So many athletes did. I don't know if Emma did. So that's kind of one – did you guys ask her that? Uh, I didn't ask her that specifically. Uh, I mean, I think she felt, she felt prepared fitness wise. I don't know. She, she didn't, she didn't really blame that as a reason. She didn't say anything about the conditions and she was there for a while. She just basically said her body shut down. So, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the results. I'm going to apologize to my fellow Princeton alum, Lizzie Bird. 919 national record for Great Britain, John's country. I missed it. I didn't talk to her once in the mix zone. Robert, you're fired. Oh, terrible. All right. Uh, shall we move on to the other distance final of the night, the men's 800 meters? Always a crazy race at the Olympics. And this one, I mean, winning time, 145.06. 
by Emmanuel Correa. That is not quick. It actually prompted a hilarious tweet from Isaiah Harris, the fourth placer at the U.S. Olympic trials in the 800. I will put that up on the screen for yeah. the live people. i got to find it, that. It was absolutely hilarious. So Isaiah apparently is a keen runner of the Let's Run.com forums, and he found a post, which I will read here in its entirety. I would never accept a medal for 145. That's pathetic. That's not an Olympic performance in this day and age. No one deserves a medal. I'd be all for having minimum standards to get medals or an eye test where no medals are awarded if people aren't trying and are just out there for a hobby job. So Isaiah took a screenshot of that post on the message board. And then next to it, he put a picture of a guy, a shirtless dude lying on his bed, just surrounded in a room full of garbage, which Robert will show on the screen. And essentially let's say that's the guy who wrote this post. And then what I thought was even funnier was Fred Curley quoted this tweet and said, uh, he said, who said this? And Isaiah responded, some 141 guy on Let's Run. So either Seb Coe or Nigel Amos, I guess, wrote that tweet. Let's Run Nation, we love you. There's a subculture for us that Isaiah Harris loves. I mean, I love it that the sprinters are now getting into Let's Run.com. But look at that photo, folks. If you're listening to us on the podcast version, we will link to that tweet. It's absolutely amazing. So I think they can only see, yeah, there we go. Show them the photo. I got a I got a point of order though. I mean, the guy's not in his basement. So this guy is doing pretty well for a let's run forum poster. <laughs> wait, I thought all let's run forum posters made a hundred thousand dollars a year, had a super hot white. Wait, 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 give a shout out to, to Isaiah Harris so people can follow him, John. Two fifty, John. What's that, Robert? Go to uh, a at Zay underscore 800. Isaiah Harris. Apparently it's a good follow. So anyways, men's 800. I, I, I really tactics. This is the one race where tactics do play a role. Oh, you I, finally admit it, huh? 1500. No, but 800. Yes. But I didn't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I have only seen. I, the replay we've seen doesn't show the whole thing, but career was on the rail for the first lap which was good. Career did not look good in the prelim. He was pretty close to, you know, he, I think he was not a qualifier, but you know, it's a very fine line between being not a qualifier and not making it. But if you watch him at the final, I mean, he's not a beautiful runner. This is not David Rudisha. This is a guy that's like pulling up Paul Radcliffe and oh, Bob had so much head bobbing. And then I feel like he even accentuated it as he was crossing the line. And he's like, yes, I'm going to win the Olympic title. So it wasn't Nigel Amos, but I did pick this guy to get the silver. And when everyone was handing the gold medal early in the summer, I always thought, like, okay. Wait, are- wait, wait. Who handled, handed Nigel Amos the Olympic gold medal this summer? I think there was only one person I remember doing that, and he's sitting to my I, right. I right didn't now. mean Amos. When everyone was whole handling the gold medal to Donovan Brazier. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I kept saying. What a what what is Amos and Career up to? Why? Because they're faster than Donovan Brazier. We need to remember the talent level of Emmanuel Career. He ran 142.05 in 2018. I mean, 2017, 143.10, 142.05 in 2018, 143.69 in 2019, and then 143.04 um, in Monaco. I forgot he did that. So you know, fast guy, big talent. Well, if Amos is going to screw it up, which he always does, then career is your champion. And that's what happened. Shocking. I did talk to Amos. One of the, probably the only person that talked to Amos in the mix zone. And I said, Amos, like, first of all, like 
how do you feel? How disappointed are you? You've got the silver in 2018 as a teenager, 2012 as a teenager. You know, you come up short, but yet again, he said, I'm not disappointed. I'm like, what? And he said, look at my leg. I got injured when I fell, you know. So his quad was totally taped up. He said, it's very hard to run with one quad. He's hoping to get recovered and do well at the pre-classic, which is in his new hometown of of, of, um, Eugene, Oregon, hoping to do Worlds next year. And then um, whatnot. He told me that he may not run Paris, but he told another lady today that he was going to run in Paris. So there you have it for Mr. Amos. But disappointing run for him for sure. But it wasn't tight. You know, he was right there with 100 meters to go and just didn't have it. Well, pretty much everyone was right there with 100 meters to go. The interesting point about Korea here is we know he's good at the 800, but he, I talked to one of the Kenyan journalists in the mix zone. He made this point. He's like, look, this was a 145 race. Kohler is a 44-2, 400-meter runner. He was a world championship finalist in the 400 in 2019. If it's a slow race and it comes down to the last 200, you know, why isn't the 44-second guy going to win? And this is how David Rudisha won his world title in 2015. Robert's theory is that these slower races actually help the 1,500 runners. Yes. I don't buy that necessarily in this instance, and maybe I don't buy that anymore. Because who was the winner? Korea, 400-800 guy. Who was the bronze medalist? Patrick Dobek, a 400 hurdler who moved up to the 800. So I don't know if the Rojo theory holds holds weight anymore. And who's a 800-1500 runner? Clayton Murphy. And he did he did awful. But that was more about his positioning, which I think we can get to. Uh, this The silver medal here, Ferguson, Rotich, Chariot. Ferguson, Chariot, Rotich. Third, third place, Patrick Dobek, Robert's other boy. I would like to go – by the way, if you haven't seen the video I made of Dobek, he was brilliant again tactically once again. And I, I, he, he was back on the rail, goes out, gets on the rail. He doesn't even bother for the first 100 meters. He's like going in line. It's like a Nick Simmons. He just runs on the rail. W- where is he at the bell? Without leaving the rail, he's in third place. He's like, yep. I said, how do you – how does this – you've never he, – he admitted to me today he'd run 1-800 in his life before January of this year. I said, how, how are you comfortable? He's like, it just comes naturally to me. So he's like, yeah, it was a risk to move up on the rail, but I thought it was worth taking. And then, you know, he kicks in and, and gets the bronze medal. So kudos to him, uh, you know, f- for that. I would like to go back and watch Chariot because Chariot was so good in the prelims. I wonder if he had run a better tactical race, if he would have beaten career. Career seems to, to have been on the rail a lot in this race, probably saved a lot of ground. But as good as their t- – I, I, so I haven't seen Chariot's race, but Murphy appeared to be terrible. He was moving around a lot. And then, as John said, y- you can't be that far back in a 145 race. Your eighth place with 200 meters to go, it's over. He was ninth, he was ninth oh, lost excuse me. with 150 to go. And you're just not going to be able to run down eight guys – eight of the best guys in the world over the last 150. I mean, he was in lane three by the end of the turn. He finished in lane four. He actually, he still thought with 30 meters to go, he might be able to close. He did look like he was sort of kicking and maybe making up some ground, but then he sort of wasn't going to be in the medals and kind of just, you know, led up towards the end. Well, then what'd you make of all this? Um, the 400 long distance kicking thing is interesting because I used to agree with Robert. But clearly the 400 faster guys did better in this one. But I think really it came, comes down to more positioning. All of these guys can kick. You need to be in a good spot. I mean, I'm looking at it here. With 200 to go, um, 
you know, careers in second place, perfectly positioned. He wins the race. Rotich is point uh, five back. So that's he had to make up a lot. And Murphy's another point three behind that. At some point, you're just asking too much. I mean, maybe Murphy could have snuck up for a bronze, but he's not Sifan Hassan. It's very hard to win a race from that far back. Yeah. What one point Murphy made, and this was an interesting one. He, like he knew he wasn't in the right position through the race. But essentially, he was saying, look, everyone was fighting for the same spot. Everyone wanted to be basically second or third right off the shoulder of the leader. And that's one of the realities of the 800 meters is we say, oh, tactically, they didn't look great. And I didn't think Murphy was great tactically. But the problem is, like, it's not like you can just say, oh, I, you know, I should have done this, this, and this. And I really, you know, it would have been great. It's very, very hard to get that position. Like, anyone who's out not second or third you know, they could say, oh, they wanted a great position tactically. Like it's, there's only so much real estate in an 800 meter pack. Someone's going to have to be in a bad position. So it's really hard. There was a lot of fighting, arm checking and stuff to get in position. Murphy could never get where he wanted to be. And at the bell, I mean, at the bell, he was basically in lane two and it was 53 seconds. So he was at that point, I've kind of thought it was over for him because it was just, you know, you're not going to be able to go wide on that turn. And he wasn't looking like he was going to hang on the inside and wait for the rail to open up. I apologize, people, for apparently touching my nose. I'll, I'll mute myself when I'm not talking. But, yeah, I'm looking at Murphy here. He's finishing out in lane four. So one thing, though, that's different here is someone like Patrick Dobeck or Dobey, I should, I should have asked him, how do you say your name? I said, should have said, sir, I made a YouTube video about you. How do you say your name? But he's playing with house money. He's running for the bronze. He's running for a medal. Murphy's not running for a medal. He's running for the gold medal. And it's different. You, you position yourself tactically if you're trying to win, which you probably shouldn't. You should just think I'm going to try to medal and see if I get lucky and win the, win the gold. John, he had some interesting comments right to you afterwards about times and whatnot, which I haven't quite read. So you were kind of telling me when I was focusing on my work, it seemed fascinating. Why don't you share them with So yeah, there, there are a couple interesting things he said. One was about times like, Look, he, he basically said the same thing that you said, Robert. Like, anything other than an Olympic gold medal, he was going to be upset tonight. That's what he came in for. And, well, he said, actually, then at the end, he sort of corrected that and said, I don't know anybody about anybody else. I do it for one thing. It's an Olympic medal. I give two shits about the American record, two shits about running 140. This is what I run for as a medal. And now I go pretty much over. He said over five since 2016. He's, I mean, it's over three because 17 19 and 21 he didn't end up meddling and he he had a disaster this was better than his final in in doha in 2019 that was an absolute disaster for him but for a guy who's looked so good in a couple races i mean he looked amazing at the trials he looked pretty good in his first two rounds in tokyo and for him to come up and finish lost in the final again that's rough the other interesting thing he said to me robert he was not happy that they let Nigel Amos into this race because he essentially was saying, look, everyone was fighting for the same position. Eight guys, you know, already eight guys trying to be in the lead or close to it. And 800 is going to be tough with nine. It's even more difficult. And he was like, look, I don't know why they ran a nine person 800 meter final. And I agree with him. I don't think Amos should have been in this race, no. but that's fine. that much more difficult to get position nine versus eight. 
I don't think that's what made the difference. Oh my God. It I had should have been eight people. I apologize to Clayton if I had not thought about this. And John, and I, I haven't had time to read the recap because we literally finished the work and hopped on this podcast. First of all, I'm happy they ran nine in the final. You got a nine lane track, run nine in the goddamn final. I'm happy with that. But I, I hadn't thought about this. Amos, I wanted him in the final because I picked him in the, in the running warehouse prediction contest. So, you know, some people think that I have, you know, I saw Paul Turgot tonight, the great runner from Kenya, and he said, hey, Robert, how's your father? How's your father? In Kenya, it's all about who your father is. So my father once worked for a U.S. president, and I got Paul Turgot into the White House. So I pulled some connections. I called the president up, and I said, can you get Mr. Amos Wait, into the Olympic have, final? Did you have George W.'s cell phone? Don't say who, which president it was, John. We're going to anger some people. <laughs> well, there's only a limited number. I think people. it's it not was, that hard to look it up. My father worked for Barack Obama. And George Bush. Anyways, as long as it wasn't true, I was trying not to make this political people, but I'm kidding about getting him into the final. But I did talk to Paul Turgot today. Anyways, um, that was the whole point of that story. Me dropping that, but Amos should not have been in this final. Who should have been in the final was the other American, Isaiah Harris, Isaiah um, Jewett. And if he was in the final, if he was in the final, this race might have been totally different because the bit. Weldon doesn't want me to play the audio, but go back and listen to the U.S. broadcast. Those are the people that are in the U.S. And the most the, the craziest thing, the reason why I was going to mock Alicia Montana for her race call was the gun goes off, and she said, "This is clearly going to be a fast race. It's the it's the it's a two lap race. Like I didn't know that an 800 was a two lap race, and it's the Olympic final. It's not going to be tactical. And the big question I had going into this race was, who is going to lead it? When Castro Semenya was in the races, we knew what was going to happen. When, when uh, I'll thank Moe's in the race, we know what's going to happen. When David Rodish is in the race, we kind of know what's going to happen. I did not know who was going to run this race. Amos likes a fast pace. Mur- a fast pace would have been great for Murphy as too. You know, it just makes it easier. You know what's going to happen. I just didn't know who was going to lead. And the answer was nobody was going to lead. Nobody wanted to push the pace. Everybody wanted a good position but nobody wanted to be the sacrificial lamb because nobody in this field was that much better than everybody else. But you don't need to be that much better. You just need to be a front runner. I mean, 2019 World Championship Final, Wesley Vasquez led it. He wasn't way better. You just need to get one guy in the final who's a front runner. If Marco Aroff was in this final, it's a totally different race because that's how he runs. But none of these guys are pure front runners. I'm surprised. I guess Amos doesn't like the lead. He just likes the fast pace behind the rabbits. I was just surprised when it went 53 for 54, whatever it was. I'm just like, oh, man, this isn't good. And I thought somebody would take it. But Montano act like an Olympic final can't go slow. It's not allowed almost. I thought it was kind of funny because then immediately it slows down. You can just tell. So. Okay. Wait, Weldon doesn't want me to play the audio, but I'm going to play the audio. This is going to be good audio. He's playing it through his computer, through a headset. I'm sure this will work well. Well, he gets that ready, John. Did you guys ask Career? Now, he was slated to run the 400 here, and he false started. I assume that was inten- intentional. I asked him this. Is there a rule? I don't think there is a rule. Can't you withdraw from an event? Sorry to cut you off there, John. Yeah, I'm going to give a t- I'm going to have a tantrum now because you interrupted me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Ro- Robert, can you please mute that? It's very distracting. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I asked Career about it. And at first he said he didn't want to talk about it. And then he said he didn't do it intentionally. But it suddenly looked intentional. It was basically like 
they called them to the set position and then he got up and did a stride out. And like, it, it certainly looked like what I would do if I was going to intentionally full stop, but he said it wasn't intentional. Anyway, didn't advance the 400. Then I asked Nicole Jeffrey from World Athletics, who's sort of the, the head of communications, you know, what's the rule with honest effort and that sort of stuff? Because I feel like, I mean, I guess this is my job as a reporter. I should know the rule book. She's basically like, well, it's in the rules. I'll look it up for you. And she never got back to me. So I she doesn't she was, know either. She was kind of suggesting to me I should look it up in the rules because she didn't give me a definitive answer. But I remember this was a big deal back in 2012 because remember Taufik McClufey, he ran the 800 and the 1500 there. And he looked great in the 1500 rounds. And then he runs the 800 prelims and basically drops out or like runs really, really slowly. And People were like, he should be DQ'd for not following the honest effort rule. And then he got like some note from an Algerian team doctor saying he's actually injured. And that was why, yeah, he was so injured that he could come out and dominate the 1500 final later. So I believe the honest effort rule was in effect in 2012. I'm not sure if it is now. I don't really care. Like, I don't care that Korea full started that race. That shouldn't be like, even if he did intentionally full start it, I don't care. He won the fucking 800. Sorry for my. You know, sorry for the language there. I, I don't have an issue with it, but I'm I'm still not certain what the rule is. Every golf broadcast has like a rules expert, and I kind of laugh. Like, how often do you need a rules expert? So maybe our podcast needs a rules expert. Where's intern Carl? Or we're we're accepting permission. You'll just sit here, and we have a rules question. We'll pipe you in. All right, I'm not going to play the audio because Walden's right. It won't sound well. I'll link to it in the show notes. We'll link to the people want to watch the race. I can link to the YouTube. NBC broadcast. If you've got a VPN or if you're in the U.S., people, yeah, people know where to watch the race. NBCOlympics.com has most of the races usually. If you're in America, so that's helpful, or you have a VPN. Um, and the other thing, you can get a two-week trial of YouTube TV for free, um, and you can record everything. So that's another option. Although this morning session was on Peacock, so I take it back. It wouldn't have helped you at all. You can watch it after it airs on NBC tonight. How jaded am I now? Like whenever I see I'm actually looking at YouTube, uh, NBC Olympics or whatever, and I, I guess we were in the mix zones. I didn't really see what happened, but Katarina Thompson Johnson or Johnson Thompson or whatever. Her wait, name. wait. At gunpoint, Robert, which Johnson order Thompson. is it? Is it Johnson, Johnson Johnson or Johnson Thompson? Johnson Thompson. All right. You got it right. There we go. She apparently like blew out her Achilles and then hobbled across the line and they had a wheelchair out there. I mean, I thought it was cool, but this is sick. This is how I'm getting old in life. Whenever someone does that now, I'm like, oh, they're doing that for the endorsements. Terrible human being. Terrible human being. I mean, that was like an iconic Olympic moment when we were growing I know. Up. That's what I said. Back then, we knew it was pure. Now you have to question everything. All right. So what else happened tonight? What do we have to get looking well, forward to? Wait. Since this is our weekly podcast and some of these people are not listening every day. Folks, if you're not listening every day, that's on you. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. I can't possibly recap an entire five or six days of the Olympics in an hour and a half show. We had one of the greatest races in the history of the sport this morning. We kind of need to talk about that one, right? No. no uh, I think we should maybe boycott this race. This is what we're going to lose. Well, do. sexism, sexism. You're going to no. get canceled. We, we went all out with the men's 400 hurdles world record, but it happens again in the women's race. Robert says he wants to boycott the race. I'm not trying to boycott the race. I'm trying to prove a point here. We can't call one. We called yesterday in the U.S. They're two days apart, but it was for us. It was yesterday's men's 400 race. is just the greatest track race in the history of track. 
And then we wake up 24 hours later, and the women's 400 hurdles was almost exactly the same as the men's 400 hurdles. Two people broke the old world record. A third person almost broke it. You know, and then the places, you know, four through eight weren't quite as good as the, as the men's. But the, the, the Muhammad versus um, Sidney McLaughlin lived up to the hype. I mean, these women, the last four times they've raced in a global final, they've produced a world record. Championship like, final. Yeah. Like USA's or the world. A global final. John, no one considers a Diamond League to be a global no, no, final. You, I don't consider a United States championship to be a global final because it's oh, limited global only final. to American Excuse me. athletes. Well, okay, fair enough. I see what you're saying. I'm we're both right. We're both wrong. <laughs> but I'm I'm more right. Anyways, four world records in a row. Like if our sport was like the NBA or the NFL, this would be like Brady versus Mahomes or you know, something incredible. So what a race. They they ran amazing. But when we've seen the same thing the night before, it does lose some of its luster. And people are like, well, you know, it's just these people are pushing each other and it's the perfect environment. And I'm like, you know what? It's starting to remind me of the marathon. Like somebody would run an incredible time and you, you could come up with reasons for it. And then it happens in the next marathon and then the next and the next. And then finally we find out it's the shoes. So not just the shoes, but there was a, an amazing article, I think, in the Guardian or the Telegraph about the the guy from Mondo has admitted. He's like, "Look, we think this track is one to two percent faster than other tracks." John did the research, did the math for the for the four hundred hurdles, and so you th- your stat was one percent, right? How much is one percent of a in the four hundred meter hurdles? This is point four of a second, right? No, well, the previous world record was fifty one point nine, so one percent of that is point five one nine of a second. And the world record today was lowered by Sidney McLaughlin by 0.44 of a second. It's pretty interesting. Since Muhammad, so Muhammad broke the world record for the first time at the 2019 U.S. Championships. And it's come down in total between Muhammad and McLaughlin. Both have broken the world record twice. It's come down total of 88 hundredths of a second. And half of that total was today. It improved by 0.44 of a second from 51.90 to 51.46. And then McLaughlin second. Uh, she was also well under the previous world record. And Femke Bull third. She was under the world record as of six weeks ago. So terrific race. This one, I guess, one, the time wasn't shocking just because I think we all kind of knew after what they've been doing against each other in previous finals and after what we saw in the men's race yesterday that there was going to probably take a world record and probably significantly under the world record to win the race. But the most interesting thing about this compared to what made this in one way, at least a better race than the men's race is that this one was the outcome was in doubt, you know, with three people there coming off the final 100, basically. Yeah. Like, I mean, McLaughlin was still behind entering the final hurdle and it wasn't until after coming across the final hurdle that she was able to pass and pull away from Muhammad uh, so that was really exciting, and it was a closer race uh, than yeah. the, previous, the other one. It was a great race, and talking to them was a lot of fun after the race because, you know, M- Muhammad, she's she was you know proud of the way she ran, obviously, but she she said that I was proud of the way I ran, but she's like you know everything you're I'm a perfectionist. She's like you know there's old I forgot what she said kind of hiccups. Basically, the last hurdle she wasn't happy with the way she ran it. Um, and then McLaughlin says, like, look, I work on the last 40 all the time. 
And then Bull was like, I just wanted to go out as hard as I could. I wanted to be with him with 100 meters to go, and I was. She's like, but I didn't have anything left. So they basically, all three women were really proud of, of what they did. And, you know, it, it was amazing. I mean, they should be. Dula Muhammad, her PR coming in was what? The previous world record, it was, it was 52-0. She runs 51-58. She PRs by half a second. She got beat, but like that that's a ridiculous she's 31 years old and she just ran it. Uh-oh. Looks like we have some audio problems from Tokyo. But I I was gonna jump in here anyway. McLaughlin had some comments afterwards that which I thought were interesting about the track. I mean, she totally she acknowledged it. The track is definitely different. I definitely say it's a fast track. You can feel the difference. You know Mondo and everything. I don't really know how to describe it. A lot of people talk about the shoes, but I do think it's just one of those tracks. It gives you that energy right back and pushes you and propels you forward. Definitely felt a difference compared to Eugene. So, like, when she says that, like, what are you guys thinking? You guys are back, by the way. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was refreshingly honest. Like, this track, look, look at the sprint times we've seen in this this Olympics and compare it to the sprint times in Rio five years ago. Yes, okay, the 400, we had the 400 world record, but the women's 100, 200, Elaine Thompson is running essentially the only person who's ever gone faster is Flojo. Wilhelm, we got world record in the 400 hurdles, world record in the 400 hurdles, Olympic record in the 100 hurdles. I mean, the, this 100 and 200, I thought that the 100 semis, I mean, that was absurd, the third semi in the 100 for the men. The men's 200 times were fairly fast tonight. DeGrasse got a personal best. I mean, I know it's the Olympics. These athletes are peaked for it, but the sprint times have been pretty out of control. So I think it's fine to acknowledge, yes, this is the, a fast track, perhaps the fastest I've ever raced on. She still ran a freaking amazing race, but to break the world record by that much in both hurdles races, especially when Mohammed and McLaughlin, they've been running in high stakes races against each other for three years now, and they've never smashed the record by as much as they did in this one. That's true. And it's pretty interesting how much in the the span of 24 hours, my thinking changed. We had a last night's show was huge on Carson Warholm. I mean, we're everybody or yesterday's afternoon show in the U S we were just blown away by that race. We're debating whether it was the greatest race ever. Now, after this one, I'm like, it just sort of diminishes it a little bit. But at the time, Matt Lawton of the times, Robert, you said he's being interviewed on Norwegian radio because he had suggested the track was fast and people were like outraged. And I'm like, I'm not putting that, I'm not letting people say that for at all. And then if you're watching on the show now, I have an article up by Sean Engel in the game, Sean Engel of the guardian. So you can Google guardian Tokyo track fast, something like that. And you know, it's got the designer of the track, Andrea Valori saying it's worth maybe one to 2%. So he's openly admitting that. And, but it's at first I thought maybe that was marketing, you know, it's also great marketing. That's why when Nike first said the shoes were 4% better, I didn't believe them. But now the athletes are saying it. You're seeing the times. I think there's something to the track. I hate to be a Debbie downer. Well, it doesn't have to be much. I mean, John said 1% is like 0.4. Even if it's a quarter, I said a quarter second, quarter second for the shoes, quarter second for this. And maybe it's not the shoes because by the way, Puma is, is, is Warhol. Puma is also DeGrasse. You know, which is interesting. But this is what this reminded me of today. 
I believe was Bridget Koskai in the marathon. I think that was the day she ran her 214 marathon. Kipchoge runs 159.40. And then the very next day, Bridget Koskai ran 1214, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, the first time you're like, holy shit. And the second time you're like, wait a minute, this is obvious something is going on here. So this doesn't, the track doesn't bother me as much as having secret shoes like Rio 2016. When here it is, I was, it's been, I think it's been a month since Robert brought this race up, which is probably a record since this pod came into existence. No, when Nike had their male marathoners and then Shailene Flanagan and Amy Craig. Shailene Flanagan. I don't know how to say Shailene, Shailene. I don't know how to say Simone or Simone Biles, whatever. We know who we're talking about. They had them wear their super shoes, but they they painted them to look like their regular shoes. That is what we call mechanical doping. Here, the track is doped and juiced a little bit, but hey, I like it. I, I would like to run it on a you know airy track that feels good, etc. So, by the way, if you want to run in, on an airy track, you can run on a treadmill this weekend. Race for the red. What's it called? My 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 charity. I've got my charity five k this week. You can race me. Road. Let me find the URL. You guys keep talking. If we're doing plugs right now, Robert's clearly tired. He brought his drink, Element T, to Tokyo. It's been keeping him on his game. It's keeping him not tired. At his age, you need it. He loves the stuff. I love the stuff. DrinkLMNT.com slash Let's Run. Free sample pack. If this wasn't the Tokyo Olympic podcast, I mean, people are emailing me about this stuff. They're like, yeah, great. I really love it. Thank you. Yeah, I found, I found my URL. Goforthered.org. Goforthered.org. It's either this Saturday or Sunday, August 7th, whatever date that is. I think that's this Saturday, Robert. You can run a virtual 5K, 10K, bike, whatever. It's a good cause. It's for the Red Cross. I will post my time. Or I could pull an Emmanuel career in DNS, but at least the money goes to the Red Cross. DNF, DNF, Robert. That's the difference. Uh, okay. Men's 200-meter final. Uh, that was tonight as well. America goes 2-3-4, but the gold, oh, Canada, is Andre de Grasse. I feel happy for the guy. He's as consistent as it comes in these championship finals. So many silver and bronze medals. Finally tonight, he gets the gold. 19.62, national record for Canada. Kenny Bednarik is the silver, 19.68. Noah Lyles, just his third defeat in two, over 200 meters as a professional athlete. He gets the bronze in 19.74. And, you know, it's, it was interesting. It was, it was close. But Narek had the lead coming coming off the turn. And it was him and DeGrasse coming down the home, home straight. DeGrasse ends up pulling it out. And then fourth place, Arian Knighton, all of 17 years old. I feel like it's good for DeGrasse that he got this gold medal because this event might belong to Arian Knighton for the next decade. Uh, but, yeah, it was nice to see him get rewarded. Yeah, it, it was really interesting here because the guy that Walton says is always good for the bronze, DeGrasse wins it. But the big takeaways I have from this – this is – I'll repeat what I just said. I had it on mute. But the big takeaway here is it was good to see DeGrasse win. Walton always says he's good for the bronze. But the bigger picture is – and I said this we, – we did a one-minute Instagram video. Walton says we got to promote Instagram to try to promote this actual podcast – and somebody was commenting on Instagram was mad because 
I said, will Noah Lyles ever win an Olympic gold medal? And the answer is probably no after tonight. This was his best chance. This is a guy, again, he's lost two races as a professional at 200 meters before tonight. He loses a third. We had heard all year his times weren't great. Oh, everything's good. My training's going good. Whatever. I'm going to break out. And he never breaks out. And, you know, being in lane three probably didn't help or lane four, whatever lane he was in. But he led up at the, in the semi. But he shouldn't even – this guy was so dominant this race, letting up in the semi shouldn't even cost him the, the heat win. And what I'm thinking now is how many hundreds of thousands of dollars did he lose tonight? And John said it best. If you're an Olympic champion, that's good for life. You can make speeches and whatever, and your, your contract gets boosted up. You know, he's got an Olympic medal, but it's, could he win in 24? Yes, he could. But Knighton could be the next bull. We don't know. Sometimes the phenoms don't become athletic, though. Sometimes they don't become Sydney McLaughlin. But by the way, McLaughlin, like McLaughlin, was like Knighton. We expect her to be great, and she is great. A lot of times it doesn't happen. I mean, look at all the money that Asics wasted on a Candace Hill or some of these professionals, these studs in high school. But this was pretty big. If it, if it wasn't for COVID, I think Knight, Lyles would be an Olympic champion. He didn't want to engage. I did ask him on that question. He's basically like, look, I don't want to speculate, but I kind of think you're right, Robert. It's interesting. Like he basically said, you know, he wanted, he went big this year. He tried for the 100, 200 double. And going into the year, I kind of thought he was going to be the favorite for both because there was no Christian Coleman. Gatlin was going to be 39 years old. I give him full credit for trying it. He ran both of the trials, but I also think might've made him train maybe made him tired, more tired. And he said, essentially, he's going to have to talk to his coach, Lance Brownman, and see if this is something he pursues in the future. But finally, finally, there was an admission there that like, maybe they got it wrong. And that's a good point, John, because as a fan, you want people to go for greatness. I want them to try the double. I want World Athletics to make the double doable. And then Lyles, I mean, the 200 was like, guaranteed goal. Like what were the betting odds about a year ago? Like, of course this guy was going to win the gold. Now he's only third. He's only the second best American. He's barely better than a 17 year old. This was, would have been shocking if you had predicted this a year ago. And, but he wanted to be an icon. He wanted to be the bolt. And I mean, NBC was playing it up when I, when I was at home in the Olympics, all these previews, Washington post Xfinity, it was all about Lyles. And now he's third, but you can't fault him for dreaming big. But he said afterwards, maybe, He's like, I, may, I used to train for the 200 and just occasionally run the 100 at a little speed. He's like, this year I did both. Maybe that's not good for me. And that's a good point because his father was a world-class, at least certainly national-class, 400-meter runner. Maybe he should go in the other direction to four. Everyone else is coming oh, down nowadays. On, what? He's, He's not good at the 100. To, he doesn't need to move up to the 400. Just stick in the 200. Well, train for the four. Why not? I'm just saying maybe he got the training wrong. You think, oh, it's going to come around. I'm going to work on my speed. Sometimes working on your strength is what you need to do. I mean, he was the Diamond League champion in the 100 meters two years ago. So I think that's probably going to be a better event for him than the But it's, it's weird. It's not like he said he's gotten injured. Like, Johan Blake, we know he got injured. Like, why is this guy not being great? I don't know. It's, it's very – well – Running 19.74 in the Olympic final, I know it's it's faster than what he ran in the world final in 2019. I mean, why is he not being great? Oh, it is faster? Most well, faster track, though. It's just hard to, like... Okay. It's hard to be at a very high level 
year in, year out. Like you need to be one of the old time greats. This guy is not a failure for failing to win the Olympic gold medal, but great point. You know, he he wasn't happy. He thought you know he wanted the gold. I totally understand it. And but but by the way, this was he made an amazing point when he met with the media. Amazing point because you know these these people don't really cover track that often, and they think of things like you know how many medals did the U.S. team win? What's wrong with the team structure? I'm like, we've never had a team structure. It's all about people going to college or doing their own pro groups, and they just win medals. It's just like capitalism. It's like people in their own self interest win enough medals, and America kicks ass in track and field. It's not like we have a national coach that like guides them like in some of these other countries. And we just have a lot of talent in this country and motivated people. It's but the reporters now they're looking for the story, and the story is, you know. It's kind of like the women's soccer story. Like the U.S. women's – I forgot. They, I said this in one of the press conferences. The U.S. women have already won like 70% of the medals. I don't know if that's in the Olympics or just track and field, but the women are leading the way, particularly in track as well, I think. But the U.S. men right now are shut out in terms of gold medals. And there's really not a, a good step forward. We're going to win the shot put, but that's a field medal. So, yeah, I actually – I looked at this, Robert, because it's very interesting to consider – what's left and shot put us is definitely favored in that with krauser men's four by four they'll be the favorites they're not a total lock but i expect them to win that men's 400 four sorry men's four by one you would think those they're also favorites there but you know you never know it's the four by one uh when was the, when was the last time the u.s won the four by one at the olympics i mean i think 2000 maybe i don't know but kenny benaric wants to run it but he admitted today he's never practiced it with the team. Yeah, I and this was, was a guy weird. that was a two-four guy in college. So I'm wondering if he's ever run a four by one. Probably well, he, in high school. He was fourth at the Olympic trials in the hundred meters, though. I would think he would be on that team. Well, I so, know, but running a four by four is a hell of a lot different than running a four by one and getting a stick around. That's true. All right, so yeah, lost Olympic gold for the U.S. in the men's four by one was 2000. So here are the event. Here are the finals that are left to be competed in the men's men's track and field you know here are the gold medals that are available essentially usa is 0 for 6 so far in men's track events we've got the 400 they've got a shot there with michael norman but i would say that stephen gardner is the favorite we've got the 1500 cole hawker and matthew centrowitz one two baby one two they they, you know not impossible but i I think unlikely a gold medal there Five thousand. chilimo's got a shot Uh, you know that's a pretty open event i think one ten hurdles that's the money event that is where if they're going to win an individual gold in a running event, it's going to be Grant Holloway tomorrow morning. Late, it's later tonight in the United John, States. John, please, please introduce him properly. Podcast, former podcast guest, Grant Holloway. Yeah. Uh, and then marathon, Galen Rupp, not impossible, but unlikely. So, yeah, the U.S. – I looked this up, by the way. The U.S. has won at least one gold medal in a men's individual running event in every Olympics that they have competed in. All the way back to 1896, the only one that they didn't win an individual gold medal in a running event on the men's side was 1980, and that was the boycott year. So I expect Grant Holloway will do it tomorrow and keep the streak alive. But if he doesn't, it's going to be very interesting watching the remaining event because I think it is possible the U.S. gets shut out. And then when they get shut out, people say, oh, the U.S. track is in terrible position. So they asked they asked Noah Lyles, hey, what do you think about the U.S. Sprint Corps? But they didn't give him any stats he's like i think it's kick-ass i think it's amazing and i think the reporter was stunned and then he had the stats he's like look i'm a 195 guy 
We've got a 17-year-old that's a 198 guy. Kenny's run 197. 196 tonight, actually. 1968. What? Yeah. To take the silver medal. Oh, so I shouldn't be that upset. And this was pretty fast that Loa didn't win it. Yeah. So he's like, you know, look, we've got good guys. 1%, though. 1%, guys. So while you guys have been chatting away the last 10 minutes, I was reading the, you know, what's up with Noah Lyles thread and let's run. And I, I just love forums. I think you find some in- interesting information. There was a Sports Illustrated article, which we can link to the thread and, and or the article afterwards. Um, and it's by, we'll find who it's by in a second, Michael Rosenberg. And it talked about how Noah Lyles, he, he got on antidepressants. He was depressed last year. His mom saw him. He got on Zoloft. And then he said he couldn't get pumped up for races. And one thing I've noticed is he looks bulkier and people are like antidepressants can cause you to bulk up, but he got off the antidepressants this spring. So that's an interesting scenario. I don't know if he looks bigger to me. And I think at some point as you get older, most people put on weight, but you look at area night and he looks like a bolt. Lyles used to be much, much more felt to me. Now he looks big. I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of crazy. That's a good point. I, that, I, I had not thought about what, we didn't have, we should have asked questions like that. We didn't ask, but yes, he does look different. I, I've always, th- I've thought that recently his interviews seem weird. Like, so the, I didn't know about the mental health. I've forgotten about that mental health thing. So that's kind of interesting on that front. By the way, let's talk about Knighton. I've never seen anyone who just got fifth in the Olympics at age 17 that, or fourth in the Olympics that upset. Like, he was like devastated. And like, what are you going to do? People thought would be happy. He's like, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my career. And but, but, I mean, he was like, that was crazy. Right. He's like, I'm going to remember this feeling. And we're like, dude, you just got fourth in the Olympics. He's about to enter his senior year of high school. He's like Olympic medal. That was always the goal. This was always the goal from the start of the year. And I'm just like, right. holy crap. We're like, since when? Like, we're like, since when he's like, start of the year, we're like start of the year. You thought you were going to get Olympic medal at 17. Like, is it, is he the youngest Olympian by far? He has to be. He's right? the youngest U S Olympian. Since Jim Ryan in 1964, I don't know about the entire games. I can't imagine there are many athletes younger than 17 competing at this Olympics. Is anyone else really pumped? The next Olympics is three years away. Yes, it's great. It's so much better uh, because I'm like, oh wow. Because think about that. Like Lyles might have been your Olympic champion last year in the hundred and the two hundred. I mean, there's so much hype around this guy. Roberts said it cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions, millions. If he pulls off a double, or you know gets to 200 and gets to 100. Oh, I'm already thinking about the 100 because that's what Bolt was. Bolt was this 200-meter phenom, and then we're like, well, if he's so good at the 200, why doesn't he run the 100? And then suddenly he's the best ever at the 100. So could Knighton do the same thing? I mean, that's a lot to ask, but I wouldn't be sure. He's already run pretty fast in the 100, like 10.09 or something. I'm highlighting my favorite comments on the video show. Well, I have a question about the hurdles. So, you know, the run out after the last hurdle is more space, right? There's more space between the last hurdle and the finish than between the normal hurdles. I think so. Yeah. Why? No, I think they should change it up. Give people like the little better chance. They should put a hurdle right on the finish. (laughs) Oh, could you imagine that? Some of the finish line photos you get if the, right. Wait, well, this might be the the greatest idea in the history of track and field. Thank you. Right. I never thought about just put one right on the finish or maybe like, I think like three feet before the finish. No, 
even better. Y'all, oh. y'all, <laughs> yeah. Well, y'all know this. So like, you might, some people can just plow through it. Maybe it'd be quicker just to plow through. There'd be some theory. Isn't there a rule you're not allowed to like intentionally knock over the hurdles like that or something? Would y'all know that the hurdles used to be like back in the day? It was like steeple hurdles. They didn't tip over. That would be better. Sprint hurdles that didn't tip over. You'd have serious injuries. By the way, the re- a few things. One, I'm just thinking random things in my head. Why the 800 is the best event track? Why? Because the tactics totally change everything. It's like it's like football, American football. The tactics you run that again. I don't think we have the same winner. I agree. And someone else has made up a great point here. Um, Please don't talk about that Simpson and to the steeple take. I hope that's not the one you're talking about. Well, Connor Slythe on YouTube has said, "All I need is Roger to offer to coach Evan Jago." I said, "I forgot about this on the podcast earlier this year." I said, "Evan." If you don't win a medal this year, you need to get a new coach. And I think it's pretty self-evident. He doesn't even make the team under Jerry. I just I just want to make the following observation. I watched several steeplechase races in Tokyo here with Robert. The heats and the finals. Robert, one of the comments he made is, I don't understand how they hurdle. And another one, he was asking me about the splits. This doesn't sound like some coaching genius. Who no, will be able I was to take asking Evan you Jager. if I could use your watch to take splits because I know the inherent, I know how to make an 850 steeple time. And what I was asking about the hurdling is it's like Dobek. You don't you don't coach that. You don't coach Dobek's instincts in the 800. He this guy has never run the event better in his life. I mean, he's never run the event in his life, and he's got like amazing tactics. It's the same thing with the steeple. You see which kids in the team are crazy and are athletic and want to do it, and you put them in it. Then you can refine it a little bit with a hurdle coach. But like you watch those guys, it's just amazing to me. I could not be running in that pack and then just jump over. Everyone else jumps, so you just decide to jump. That would freak me out. But people have um, no problem. So, well, former employee 1.1, Emery Mort, has got a great take in little Lyles. Antidepressant SSIR withdrawal could also be long and difficult process, including metabolism. That's a good point. I mean – you know, it's like, do you want to be healthy in life, but then not run as well? It's very fascinating here with Noah Wilde. I think it is interesting that we're coming back to the mental health with the Simone Biles Olympics and everything. It's kind of interesting we came back to that. But someone is here talking about, they say that Lyles's intro w- was over the top. Did What was his intro when he came out? Did you guys see it? He does this before every race. He just screamed like, he's like, ah! I have no problem with that. He did that before he ran 19.5. That's absurd. But I feel like, I don't know, maybe at some point for Bolt it becomes a bit too, but I feel like for Lyles, like he's trying now sometimes. It just doesn't seem natural, like he's supposed to do stuff. And that's sometimes what I wonder, even with Simone Biles, social media, it's just a different environment. I think a lot of these young, relatively young stars, they just don't know how to cope with it. And I just think when you talk to like college administrators these days, they say, what's your number one problem with on campuses? And they say mental health. Like it's just, and I, the only thing that's really changed in the last 20 years is social media. Well, Noah Lyles ran his best race of the year tonight in the Olympic final. I don't think mental health. Had any, he like, did. Yes, he did. He ran his tightest season's best. This one was into a slight headwind versus the trials though. I, he, he ran fine based on what he's run this year. Now you can go into, I don't know, did mental health have something to do with him not being as good this year as he was in 2019? Maybe, but I don't think anything he did, he, he performed to the best of his ability tonight. 
Yeah, I know. I commend him. Like, and he obviously had these issues. Talked about him openly. Went out there and was willing to fail. So, or, or succeed, however you want to put it. Um, but it really is going to be interesting going forward because I, this guy, I thought he may never lose a two hundred like for ten years. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Take take this. You know what is it called? The three hundred sixty degree view. You back up. We would have thought a year ago this guy would definitely at least win one gold, if not two, and be a multi-big star. And now he's kind of like, who is this guy? Um, I thought the intro was great. I, I like to see him that pumped. Um, and I thought that he ran it. He said he ran a great turn. He just, he did, and he had, I think at one point on the graphic, he had the top speed, but for some reason he wasn't gaining on people. Yeah, it's weird. His best part of the race is usually his, he can maintain his speed better. Usually it's the last hundred. Didn't have it tonight, and DeGrasse did credit to him. All right, shall we move on th- to the 1500 prelims? These, this was the most insane 1500 prelim I've ever seen. Prelim, the semifinals. Sorry, um, there is a difference anyway. Women's 1500 semis first heat, Gabrielle Debut Stafford takes it out very quickly. Then Nozomi Tanaka, the Japanese record holder, takes the lead second lap. She keeps it fairly quick, but then Faith Kipigon just even though the pace is already fast, she just casually closes in 60 seconds for the last lap. She runs 356 in a semifinal. In the history of the Olympics, no one had ever broken four in a 1500 semifinal. She runs 356. Then for Wayne Gebra sorry, Gebra Zibaha. Wasn't her name last name Hailu a few weeks ago? I feel like we just call her for Wayne Hailu. It's easier. Um, Gabriella Debu Stafford. She runs 3.58. Jessica Hull, Australian record, 3.58. Tanaka, 3.59, Japanese record. And then Ellie Puria, who has run 3.58. She ran that at the U.S. Olympic trials. I thought a fast race would suit her. She can only manage 4.01. She still gets into the final on time, but I'd be lying if... I got, like Going into this Olympics, I thought Ellie Puria, medal contender in the 1500, now, especially with Hassan and Kipigon in the field, I think this is going to be a fast final. And I, you know, I thought she could run 355, but now I'm not so sure after tonight. I was extremely disappointed, Puri. I mean, she sold at 358 at the trials, and she looked terrible tonight. 401 flat. Is that an Olympic record, John? 356.8? I don't think it's an Olympic record because yeah. usually they say Olympic record if that's the case, but. It is the fastest time ever in a semifinal. I think one of the Eastern Europeans back in the seventies probably ran faster. Yeah, this was a great race, and I just I missed. The, I ran to the track because I was I, I timed everything so I could get there for this race. I missed the first three hundred of it, and I look up and I'm like, "Wow, sixty-two! And it was weird. I was really into the Japanese woman because I was the only member of the Western media to talk to her. She'd run four hundred two in the in the prelims. I said, "Is there any chance? You know, do you want to be the first? Her PR was four hundred four coming into the meet." I said, do you want to be the first Japanese woman under four flat? She told me, this is shocking. I mean, college Americans do this all the time. She's like, I've never been in a race where it's gone out under 210 for the first 800. So I get there, the first quarter is 62. I'm like, they're going to definitely break 210. Then they slow down. It was like 209. And she's like, when I saw the 800 split, I just thought maybe I could do it. And she does do it. But I could not believe that a Japanese 1,500-meter runner destroyed L.A. Perrier by almost two seconds. So congrats to Ms. Tanaka. Let's hope this is just a bad day for Ms. Perrier St. Pierre of America. But and then, Oh, the other thing from that heat was Corey McGee uh, got taken out 
uh, you know, there was a there was a fall by the Kenyan Winnie Chibet. McGee was right behind, really couldn't do anything about it. She hits the track hard, gets up, still runs 410, which, you know, considering a fall, that's not that bad. And she gets advanced to the final. So she will be there in heat two. Heather McLean, the third American. I mean, look, she just got outclassed. Like, it was great for her to make the team. She runs 405 here and finishes 12th out of 13. I don't think that's anything to be ashamed by. I think it would have been a pretty big surprise. It would have taken a personal best for McLean to make the final. So to even make it to the Olympic semis is good for her. Hassan looked very easy in winning this heat. Laura Mueller made it through as well. Back to heat one. What did Pereira say afterwards? I mean, I was shocked by that. And then I was just like, wow, she just doesn't have it. And then Emma Coburn in, in the steeple final. I was just, usually the stars are able to bring their game. I didn't know of any injury concerns or anything. It's just very unusual. Even the heat or whatever. Like, I didn't see what the temperature was today. Because watching on TV, I'm in Connecticut in, in the summer. It's glorious here. It's been like 75, 80. Oh, hey, speaking of. We may try to do a watch party on Saturday. I need to write the person back. Somebody wrote me out about a watch party in New York City. Anyone want to do a watch party in Connecticut? Fairfield, Connecticut, New York suburbs. I don't know if I can make it into the city that early. Email me, wejo at letsrun.com. But just with the heat or whatever, like what did Perrier say? I was just shocked. Like she just didn't have it. I mean, people can have off days, but it's I unusual. talked to her and you know, she basically was like, she saw the f- split for the first 300. It was 46-1. She was like, okay, you know, just hold on. It'll slow down. It did slow down the second lap, but the third lap was fast again. And she, I think she just thought eventually it would back off a little bit, and it didn't. It was just, you know, it was very fast. And okay. John, it was 209 at 800. 209 at 800. This wasn't, I mean, it's really weird because maybe I missed the first lap or I didn't see the split, but I saw the 800 split. I'm like, oh, this, it's not going that fast. No, the first lap was fast, and it was 356 winning time. I mean, it, it was a very fast heat. And it it was kind of weird to square what she said, though, because she said, you know, she thought it would slow down a bit. So I kind of think part of her was thinking like, oh, she wasn't quite expecting it to say that fast. But then she also said, I know I can run those times, you know, 356, 357. So it's just making the right tactical decisions. You learn from experience. and I learned a lot in that race. I should have asked a follow up what exactly that she learned, because to me, it didn't look like she made any tactical decisions. To me, it just it's, or any incorrect decisions. To me, it just looked like she couldn't hang with the pace. I think that's the bigger concern. And she said afterwards, that, you know, she still thinks she can meddle. She's not really worried about tonight. If I were her, I'd be a little bit. I I would be a little bit worried because it didn't look like it was a tactical mistake. It looked like she didn't have the fitness to hang. And also with the fall, do we know why? So they're judging that Winnie Chabat caused the fall. She did not get put in the final, but Corey McGee did. This is this is what happened. Like Chabat went down. McGee was the, the you know was the victim of that because Chabat was right in front of her. I'm guessing they're ruling Chabat kind of went on down on her own. And this is the this is the weird thing. It's a double standard with this Amos Jewett incident because Amos was the guy who kind of contacted Jewett, and yet. Amos is the guy advanced to the final. Amos was behind Jewett, but he seemed to be the reason Jewett fell. So I don't know to bring that back to that. But yeah, McGee McGee basically couldn't do anything. She was directly behind someone who fell, and that's why she went down. So that's why they advanced her. 
And someone's got a hot take here in the comments saying that Corey McGee is the best American 15 meter hunter runner this year, metal contender. I 100% disagree. Are, are you crazy? What's the evidence? She got totally destroyed in the Olympic trials over the last 100 meters. What's the evidence for that? When she went down, she was, you know, uh, very upset after the race. And I thought, oh, wow, that's this is going to sound a little, a little harsh. But I'm like, oh, that's her easiest way into the final. Absolutely. Oh, no, you're totally right. Well, then. If she was going to be like executed, if she didn't make the final, I would go in there and purposely fall down and try to hope that I get put in the final. I, I didn't understand why she was crying. Like this is how cynical I've become. If what, I fell, what, I, you you honestly don't understand why she was crying after falling at the Olympics. No, I don't. If I fell, I would immediately. I'm a student in the sport. I'd immediately think, "Thank God, I'm in the final. This is great. All I got to do is get up and go to the finish line." Now, maybe her only fear was that they just screw over the Americans. I mean, they screwed over um, Isaiah Jewett. But everybody else gets into the final if they get knocked over. So I don't know why she was upset about that. I think that's what we need. It needs to be like soccer. When you fall, you need to roll around and writhe in pain for a bit and then get up and hobble in. And but Okay, another, let's go through. If we're talking about great YouTube comments that are bad ones, Paul Kemp has a good point here on Facebook. Stafford looks like a bronze possibility. Look great and eased off. Gabriel Dubu Stafford of Canada is who we're talking about. And as good as Courtney Fireworks looked, like, and as good as Woody Kincaid looked and Grant, Grant Fisher has looked, Jerry Schumacher may have gotten this right. These girls have not been running great early in the season, a lot of them on the Bowerman Track Club. Maybe he, he works them so hard they're backing off and it's paying off. So if she does medal, we're going to be bowing down to Jerry about that. Some people are wondering where they can see these interviews. You're not allowed to see these interviews. I can't even play the audio of these interviews. At one point, I had these audio to show to the VIP subscribers. Well, said I would be kicked out of the Olympic press zone if i did that another great post here unrelated running you know who paul kemp is robert he did the nike documentary nike's big bet okay oh one more thing about stafford i talked to the sister his younger sister lucia stafford she ran a, a pr today 402 just missed the final and was like yeah i'm pretty pumped if you told me i'd be upset that i didn't make the final in the olympics i think she pr two days in a row here so congrats to her but thomas lester with the post of the night this is brilliant. I don't know if we have any shoes we can give you. I don't want to give Thomas a pair of on, on shoes because I, Walden still hasn't given me a pair, and I've got my big virtual race. If I had their super shoe, I could probably break seven minutes per mile for 5K. Anyways, the cell phone was the greatest and worst invention of all time. Well done. Well done. All right. That's just a general comment, or because like somebody was looking at their phone and the, I'm really seems like a total non sequitur. And Robert offered no. No, we're talking about the social media and these kids and whatever. The athletes that are smart. Well, these kids. These kids. Ellie Perrier said actually, she said it was just too much, and she got off social media because everyone's so excited about the Olympics. It sounds like a lot of them, like Sydney McGoffin's, like I've gotten off. The, I don't pay attention to that as much as I used to. I'm focused on my relationship with God. Jesus, it's too. Yeah, it's got to be like let's run. It's it still pisses me off when people call me an mf or something, but I'm used to it. So the pros who are on let's run reading the nasty comments about them are actually better for social media. Okay, who knows? Who knows? What do we expect in the women's fifteen hundred final here? Someone wants to know what should be happen. One thing is for certain: the final keep you going. We're pushing the pace, and Hassan will be in the back. So this is from uh, Jonathan on YouTube. I tried to ask Laura Moore, what type of pace do you want? And the Brits, they have their media handlers and the media handler always tries to act like they're important. I hate the media handlers that do this. They're like, they only let you answer like 
ask like 90 seconds worth of questions. Like we've got to get her out of here. And then like some people will just let you ask like 10 minutes worth of questions, but it's the Brits and what other countries just try to act like their job's that important. But I asked the world, like what, like this is a pretty innocent question. What type of pace would you like? Race would you like? Sure. I got to keep that close to the vest. And she ran off. It wasn't bad, but um, I was going to ask, is there any chance that Muir and Kip Yegon get together? Because Kip Yegon, Hassan does just, she goes straight to the back like Laura Muir. I mean, like Mo Farah always did. She better not try that in the final. Like, if they push the pace from the front, do you really want to be that far back? I agree. At the bell, she can't be spotting them too much. Maybe she can, but that's one way she loses. I think she could lose the race to Kip Yegon regardless, even if they're together at the bell. But if she spots her 10 yards at the finish, she'll probably for sure lose. She's got to improve her tactics. The 10K, 5K, she's just been better than everybody else. It almost didn't matter where she put herself. But today she was way back. She moves up to, I think, ninth at the bell, kind of boxed in, still gets out of it, still kicks to the win. In the last Olympics, though, didn't she? I mean, the world's – we thought she was going to go to the back. Did she just take it from the front and crush everybody? How did she run 351? Yes, that was a front-run effort by Svana. So we can't – I don't think she's going to go to the back. I think she goes to the back in these races just because she's trying to conserve energy. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see. I expect a fast race. I, I'm going to put it out there right now. I wouldn't be totally surprised if the world record falls. And it's actually ridiculous to think of given Safan Hassan's workload in this Olympics, but it might be, it might not be Safan Hassan breaking the world record. It might be Faith Kipigon, but those two are total studs. I mean, Kipigon just ran 356 in a semi and made it look easy. And she said, I asked her what kind of race she thought the final would be. And she's like, well, I kind of think it'll be fast, but then I wouldn't, I don't really care whatever kind of race it is I'm going to be ready for. So who knows? But if one of those two is pushing the pace or if the Ethiopian push uh, for Wayne Kipperzeger, I'm sorry if I'm butchering her, butchering her name again. If one of them is pushing the pace, I mean, low 350s, 349, I don't think it's out of the question. So here's an interesting question from the comments do you guys think muir she's run 156 this year do you think she thinks oh kicker's race i'm good no, oh, do you know what the prs are for, for kipigon and hassan they've also run 156 or kipigon i mean actually no, they haven't Faith Kip- kipigon has not run 156 but she won a diamond league earlier this year in the 800 and i guess muir did as well but look Kippy, i've watched kipigon in championship finals and I, I trust most of you guys have as well she has a better kick than laura muir it's that simple no, I think Laura Muir should want a time trial. Yeah, but I think that's probably her best option as well. I still think she'd be in trouble against the, the three, against Hassan, you know, Gebrzegger and uh, and Kibigon. I mean, if the world record falls, that means we almost certainly see a 349, which is crazy. I don't think, I kind of, when you started going there, I'm like, yeah, we're going to see a 340. I mean, the world record is 350.07. That's crazy. But also, John, if a dude ran to say 331 and did it easy, you think, oh, they're going to run 325 in their next race out. They're completely different ball games. I mean, yeah, but if that person had already run 327 earlier this year, I'd be more inclined to think it's possible. Like, Kipigon ran 351 in Monaco and missed the world record by one second. Is it going to be a shock to me if a month later she runs one second faster? Not a total shock based on how good she's looked. 
Stephen Smith's got a good point comment because I'm like, wait, keeping on its closed really fast. She closed in 157.2 in 2016, and she's better now. I mean, there's just no way around it. She is better. So who knows? Maybe we will see a three, four something for the women. That would be nuts. Just the pace has to be so quick for that to happen. I don't think so, but low 350. Who's going to set the pace? I, let's try to think about how we think this race is going to go. That's the question. Muir's right? been working a lot because on her, I mean, she's run a ton of 800s. I can't believe she ran that 156 because I kept waiting for her to bust out. She kept running 158, 158, 158, 158, and she finally ran 156 and won Monaco. Hassan has a 156 PR from like several years ago, which is weird because I do think of someone was telling me here, like, oh, Kip Yagon's got a better kick. I said, well, how do we know that? Because I said, Hassan's got a better inner PR. People, he didn't believe me, but I'm right. 156 from Hassan, 157. Kip Yegan, but remember, Kip Yegan was trying to break the thousand world record last year and got pretty close to it. So it's going to be this is, I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait. Somebody said Tanaka will set the pace. I think someone will set the pace the first 400, although today went out really quick the first 400 and it wasn't Tanaka. I think if it's not being pushed by 400, uh, Muir will, will probably start pushing it. I don't know what time uh, Australia, they're probably not up because uh, for the live show, it's the same time as here, basically. But we do have a lot of Australian VIP supporting club members. And John makes fun of me for talking to the national records holders. But Jessica Hole, who had never broken four, the former Oregon star, um, she said she talked to Coach Pete Joy. He's like, I think you're in 357 shape. 358 and 359 never need to know you. Why don't you skip that? Well, he she, she got halfway there. She skipped the 359s and ran 358 national record. Taking it back from Lyndon Hall. And I asked Lyndon, I said, well, Lyndon, you've made the Olympic final on the one hand. That's the good news. The bad news is you've lost your national record. She's like, yeah, it's a little bit bittersweet. And she was pretty happy to be in the final. But she's had it twice. And now Hall's had it twice. She's like, yeah, I realized with 200, I was, like, I was warming up in the, in the, I was in the warm-up area and, you know, the call room. By the way, if you haven't read Jonathan Galt's piece on the call room, Google call room, Jonathan Galt, it's a great piece. We had up a couple of weeks ago and she's like, I realized unless Jessica just totally tied up the last 200, my record was gone and it is 358.81. All right. Well, it's 2.30 a.m. in Tokyo right now. Do we have anything else that we want to discuss before calling, putting a bow on this one? Listener audio threads of the week. John, we're just getting going. We're doing a three-hour podcast. Oh, my today. God. Okay. Real quick, because this really is more just a daily podcast. I'm actually trying to think, because usually I'll produce it, take some stuff out, but i got to push this out for supporting club members. You probably want it right away. Don't edit it, folks. If you want to recap of the whole Olympics, again, join the supporters club, letsrun.com slash subscribe. Real quick, what do we have ahead tomorrow? We've got 110 for hurdles, which actually is tonight for you guys in the U.S. at 1055. It's 11.55 here, so it's 10.55 in the States. I, I went the wrong way earlier in the show. 10.55. Grant Hallway goes for history. Could world he break, record? Could, could he, we see a world record? Yeah, he looked poor today, 13.13, but yeah, Didn't we, look we definitely could see it. Men's 1,500 semis. Can't wait for that, though. But no distance finals at all. Um, that day here in America, in Tokyo. And the 400 final. Can yes. Michael Norman get it together? Michael Norman, though, is reminding me, I don't predict the goal there, but why? Although Ry Benjamin ran so well as training partner, so maybe it's possible, but 
Norman's reminding me of Lyles. I keep hearing, I've been doing all the training, everything's going fine, and then there's just no bust-out race. So, although we would have thought that about Andre de Grasse. I mean, he ran the same as he always does in the 100, and he did bust out in the 200. So, you know, that's interesting. And then, you know, we've got, I just can't wait for these races, though. A crazy men's 5,000 final is going to be on there. Could Justin Knight, Canada go 1-2 in the 5,000? How crazy would that be? Women's 1,500 final. So Justin Knight's talking about winning, and someone said here they could bet him for 100 to 1. Are you guys crazy? You think Justin Knight's going to win the 5K? The 5K is very weak, though. Weak. I mean, well, I don't know if it's weak or what, but one Kenyan made it one Ethiopian, right? Yeah. I mean, there aren't any good. How, how, also, think about this. What Edward Cheswick, what the hell happened? The Kenyan team is terrible, and he almost he got drilled by these guys? Is he not used to racing at altitude? Like, it's just amazing. I think a couple big pictures, things we're going to talk about when we're done. It's like, what has happened to Kenyan? Well, they did great today in the 800. But longer distance running in Kenya has just fallen off the map. Maybe it's really just 5K running, 10K. Cameron out. They only got the bronze in the steeple. The 10K, they got shot out of the medals. I mean, that's still amazing at the marathon. But, the you know, at 1,500, they'll probably win the 1,500. But the steeple, 5K and 10K, weak spots right now for Kenya. I think some of these people super bullish on Justin Knight. I think that's just, I don't know. It's It was like if, if I, a lot of Americans can relate to him, maybe they're Canadian. I feel like it's just a little homerism. I, maybe I'm wrong. What? I think he could prove me wrong, but a lot of people have seen it. I'm like, wow, am I missing something? I'm just not expecting. I expect uh, Moa Mudd to be the first Canadian. I think yeah, there, I are about, there are about eight guys in the medal mix in the, in the 5K, and I, I think he's one of them. I wouldn't be shocked by a medal. I think it's probably... I think it's probably top five or six is more likely, but he looked pretty good. He's run 333 and 1251 this year. I mean, that's kind of the times you kind of run, have to run to medal. So 1251, can we, can we, well, Kenya does have like 1253, 1255. Can we just acknowledge that 1251 isn't what it used to be? I mean, that's crazy. Couture's going to win it. I mean, the 5K final, it's going to be interesting because Caplino and Chepikai are both in here. And do they try to push the pace? I feel like that's in their best interest. Uh, I mean, Chip the guy closed pretty fast in that 10K final. But if I were them, I would work together. The problem is it's going to be hot as hell. I mean, it's just very difficult to push really, you know, make it really fast. When's the final? So the final is Friday night. The high in Tokyo on Friday is... 93 degrees so it's probably going to be 80s with humidity by the time they're running even though it's at 9 p.m it's just really we saw in the 10k chip to guy is not 100 percent. he's kind of banged up and it's going to be hot he didn't want to push the pace in the 10k even though that was his pl- their plan i'm you know they might just say the same thing the ugandans they might want to do it on paper then they get on the track and they're like oh it's pretty miserable i'm not going to do this okay wait i'm gonna show my ignorance Justin Knight ran at 12.51? Okay. I'd forgotten that one. I'm like, he doesn't have the wheels thrown with these guys. What place did he get in that? I forgot about that race. That was fifth. Wow. Okay, that is pretty good. Well, that's the thing I don't understand is how in the hell does he get fifth in that race? Who are the four guys that beat him and where are they? I don't understand how the Kenyans and Ethiopians can go over to the Diamond League and run like 12.48 or 12.50 and just suck. At the championships. Kenyans, there were no Kenyans ahead of him in that race. The winner was Ingebrigtsen. 
who was running the 1500 only. Then there was Hagos Gebrewet, who is not running this race. Edris, who's not running this race. I mean, I'm like, how did Zethia screw it up? Ethiopia actually didn't pick their team this year. They just let the results stand for themselves. I mean, Wale was kind of forced. They got a, they got a huge then break. Katia him. beat him. Katia's in the 5K. Mohamed beat him. Mohamed's in the 5K. So there it is. John's the human computer. He was not. He could not see the screen, and I'm pulling up the results right now. Inger Brisson won. Gabriel at second. Mohamed third in 1250. Katir 1250. Justin Knight 1251.93. So he was, you know, a decent ways back, but he was ahead of Cheptega guy. It concerns me that Cheptega guy says he's been hurt, but I'm just I don't see how he wins the five thousand. But he did win the Diamond League. That we could he possibly gap everybody mid race like he did the one year in the Diamond League. I don't think they'll let him go though. But here's, here's why he could win is Borrega. I, if Borrega was in this race, he'd be the favorite, right? Oh, my gosh. And he, he kind of closed on Borrega at the end and kicked pretty well in the 10K final. So could guy win? I think it's possible. But I also think this sets up pretty well for a guy who we've seen close very well in championship finals, and that's Paul Chalima. It's interesting. If Ethiopia had Borrega and Edris in there, I think they'd get two medals. Neither one of them's in this race, and they're still they're tra- training right now. So it's just... It's very difficult, and this is the, what's going to happen, though. I, I've just realized this, unless they're idiots. And, again, they, they very well could be idiots. First of all, we act like the field's not that loaded. We have the world record holder. We're complaining about all the guys that aren't in the field. We have a 1235 guy, 1247, 1248. I know the super shoes. We do have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten guys with PRs under 13 minutes. But – do you guys realize there's a third Kenyan in there named Oscar Chalimo? Why in God's name doesn't he just set the pace for the Ugandans and just make this a pure well, because Stephen Kisa tried it in the 10K final and no one went with him. You mean the third Ugandan? Oscar Chalimo set the pace for the other guys. Apparently he's apparently he's Jacob Kiplimo's brother. I mean, we need to do some confirmation on this, but this is what I've what I've heard. I'm gonna. I, I I would like to see them rock this race. I forgot who I picked, but John, again, if you're you a picked, shoe company, oh, you didn't pick it here, did you? If you're if you're a shoe company and you need some help or coaching, uh, first of all, don't, you, why do you hire failed coaches to coach your team? It doesn't make any sense. But I can consult or coach your team, John. Can you can you text Mr. Ruder in Uganda and tell him to have the third guy take it out for the first two guys? That's what needs to happen here. All right, the American chances. What do you guys think? I think they could one two. I think they could get a medal. I actually think, I think America will get a medal. I think Chalima will medal, and Kincaid and Fisher. This is exactly what they want. Like a slow, humid conditions. It comes down to a kick. One thing I know that those two guys can do, they can kick. So I think that really helps them much better than if this being some twelve fifty death march. Particularly if these other guys go for the win. A chapter guy goes for the win. A Kaplima goes for the win. Again, when you're running for the win, you run differently than if you're running for a bronze. And on the screen, I've pulled up the DraftKings betting odds. Mohamed Katir is your favorite, plus 175. Jacob Kaplima second, plus 225. Chapter guy third, plus 400. So that's a bit of a drop off there. Then Kameli of Kenya, I don't know much about him, plus 700. Then a Mohamed and Chalima, and then Fisher. And I, 
I kind of think Fisher can medal and stuff. Win plus twenty five hundred. That's a stretch. I mean, Kincaid's much further back, plus sixty five hundred. That's a much better bet. I think Fisher after his run in the ten k, but like that price of Kincaid. I mean, he's not there. He's not winning. I'll just say it here and be shocked. I didn't think um, winning. Courtney Furex is going to win the steeple, and she gave me a run for the money today. So thank you, Courtney. Thank you for making me believe. Thank you, Karsten Warholm. Sydney, it's not your fault. <laughs> you didn't surprise me. Everybody just ran so fast before you. But like that's why we love the sport. Just some of the moments that just remind us, like just the beauty of what we do. So, wow. Host of the night, Rose Runner is a very good YouTube listener. She's she or he. I assume Rose Runner is a woman. I don't know why. Rose Runner, if you're the woman, you might be the best poster in Let's Run, or if you're a man. But um, always good insight. If Cole Hawker was in the 5K, he would just chill, hug the rail, then close hard for a medal. All right, guys. I hear a lot of silence. I think that means it's time to go. People want to know if we interviewed Emma for a long time. Emma, Emma faced the press, unlike people. Read our article. It's got all the stuff you could ever want to know about what happened to Coburn. Yeah. If you guys don't know, the articles are up on Letra.com with quotes. Well, we haven't talked about Safan Hassan's triple because we've just been doing a daily podcast. Well, I guess we talked about her 1500, but she could also be in the 10,000. How sick is that? Yeah. The more I think about it, wow. Could she be tired for the 10? I thought she might have been a little tired today. Even if she wins the 15, which I don't think she's going to do, I'm not convinced she wins the 10. But thank you, Safan Hassan, for attempting this. This is why we love the Olympics. Yeah, one question here. Someone says, Fisher's chances of meddling. I would, I would say almost zero. I mean, I think he's got a shot, but very small. But then I meant to ask this question. John doesn't like when I ask this question. Like, who wins in practice? Fisher, Kincaid, or, or, or um, Ahmed? Ahmed. I assume everyone assumes Fisher's more talented than Kincaid. But I don't know where my med stack's up. I, I assume it's a med. I mean, how is Fisher going to beat Tolimo? How is Fisher going to beat a med? Although he did beat a med in the 10K. Chapter guy's been hurt, so that's possible. He's not beating Couture. I don't think he's beating Justin Knight either. But it's it's in the realm. I mean, it's not like he's racing, I don't know, Mofar at his prime. Like, well, I, so how is Fisher beating Chalimo? I mean, he almost beat him at the trials if Chalimo didn't drift out to lane 12. He didn't almost beat him. That, that was another class. One of them was like an A, and one of them was like a C. I don't think he was that far behind. He just got fifth in the Olympic 10K. We know he can close pretty well. I don't think it's a huge... Like, Chalimo was only third at the trials in 2016 when he medaled. I don't agree with this about what he's having. I think Woody's got a good kick. I think he's got a good kick for a bronze, maybe. But first of all, it's hot. I, it's not. I don't think this is going to be some tactical race where it's just a good kicker. I think it's going to be. There's going to be a big move in this race. It's going to be like Courtney Fryricks in the steeple. There's going to be a big move from home. They're not going to sit around. There's no chance in my mind this race just waits to the last twelve hundred. Someone's going to make it hot at some point, and I'm hoping it's this Ugandan. I, I am getting tired. What time? Oh my god. Guys, real quick though, have you guys heard of the Lambda variant? The Lambda variant's now out. Oh yeah, I mean, there's, the, the, you just keep going up. I mean, there's going to be a Zeta variant eventually, you know, Gamma variant, all these things. Just keep getting variants. We're a little bit jealous. Some of our friends in the press corps are getting out of their 14-day quarantine so they can go to like a restaurant or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. COVID, I've heard, I heard yesterday it may be going down here, you know, because it spikes everywhere and peaks back down. Kind of, so hopefully we're there, but then Lambda will take off and we'll be freaking out another month from now. 
So guys, get some sleep. Get some sushi from 7-Eleven. Stay healthy. I thought about doing a, a new segment. I want to come back from the track every night because that would be that would be in the daytime there, right? What should we buy at 7-Eleven? Robert, go to Corn Dog tonight. How for was one dollar? The, the, the convenience stores here are absolutely amazing. There's a pod. What's it called? There's a word for the Japanese word for the convenience store. And there's a podcast the New York Times is highlighting. Guys just talking about like what's what's available in the convenience store. It's pretty amazing. All right. Sign our Why aren't we giving credit for Grant Fisher? I just did. I just said the guy could medal. I mean, why he only got fifth in the 10K, and two of the guys who beat him are in the race coming up, uh, you know, in the 5K. So that's why I'm not giving him credit. I mean, it's going to be tough to medal. He ran well in the 10K. All right, guys. Wait, wait, wait. This podcast yeah. off. Well, then people need Good to know night. how to, how to access night. the supporters called podcasts. Email Weldon Johnson at let's run.com. Weldon Johnson at let's run.com. He'll tell you how to get to the supporting cup. And remember, drink elementy.com slash let's run.